Hey friends, and welcome back to the Crosswalk Podcast. In today's episode, we dive in to Galatians chapter 3. It's part 3 of our series, and today we really talk about the fact that I'm not good enough. Caleb's not good enough. I mean, our, none of us are good enough. And so we really look at, again, looking at the law and who can be justified by the law, which, by the way, spoiler alert, is no one. Now, I do want to warn you, in today's episode, we did have a bit of an audio recorder uh, failure, and so we're having to operate off of the camera microphone, so the audio quality may not be as good, and so we greatly appreciate and thank you for sticking with us through that, and we hope that you come away encouraged and filled with grace. I'm not good enough to be a Muslim and be saved through the works that you would have to do in Islam. I would be a terrible Jehovah's Witness, you know? Because I'm not good enough to be saved through the works that you have to be relying upon in that religion. But I feel like that's one of the reasons why the Bible makes such a big deal about things like issues like pride uh, and you know our self indulgence and you know all those things. I think that's a big reason why. Because when we start putting it all on us, when we start pulling well, what I've done, uh, it really starts to go downhill from there. You know, I was thinking uh, as we were prepping for this one, and I think I even texted this to you. I was like, you know, the, really, the thought really occurred to me is like, I am not good enough to not be a Christian. Yeah, you did text me that, and I was like, what in the world? I mean, it didn't sound weird at first, though. It does, yeah. Like, I'm not good enough to not be a Christian, but I got to thinking about it. I'm like, actually, I would be a really bad Muslim. Just because, because I know myself. I'm like, I'm actually not good enough. I'm not good enough to be a Muslim and be saved through the works that you would have to do in Islam. Mm-hmm. I would be a terrible Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. Because I'm not good enough to be saved through the works that you have to be relying upon in that religion. I'm not good enough for all of these other, like, humanistic religions that are saying, like, we can make our way to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have the self-discipline. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I feel, you know, because, like, we, we came in and, like, literally, you know, two minutes ago, I'm like, hell, I'm not ready. Hell, I don't feel like, <laughs> like I don't have it together. It's like, I know we're going to do this podcast this morning. It's like, I wasn't, a hundred. I don't feel like I was 100%, like, absolutely ready to go. Maybe I'm more ready than I thought, but it's like, yeah, sometimes that discipline is lacking. Or, like, last night, I got in bed really late, knowing full well, like, we were going to do this podcast this morning. And if it was up to me to save myself. Especially now, let's be honest, 100%, like, my bias is I have been influenced by the scriptures. So if you're listening, right, you know, if you're to, to our audience out there and everything, hey, like, everything we do here is going to be informed by the Christian scriptures. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the whole point of the channel. But but I, I'm definitely biased to think that, you know what, I don't have what it takes. Oh, yeah. I think that's something that everybody struggles with, especially being, it's, it's interesting watching people that were born into Christian families. Mm-hmm. And then later in life, after they've experienced life or, or whatever the whatever their story might be, uh, and then they come to find Jesus, and how crazy and dramatic the life change it is. But it's almost like they accept it and get it a little bit better than those who oh were word, raised yes. in Christian homes because yes, they well, don't have that. It's so funny you say that. So again, we're in Galatians. We're going to be in chapter three, starting out today. We may do part of chapter three. Make it all of it, may skip some of it, I don't know, we'll figure it out. <laughs> but we're going to be in Galatians 3, but it's so funny you mentioned that because 
Jessica and I were literally just talking about a book she was reading that was referencing that uh, big study that they did with Ken Ham and like, uh, I can't remember the name of the company, but it's a big company that did all kinds of polling and stuff. I think the guy's name was Beamer that helped him do it. And they're basically like, uh, you are, you are more likely to walk away from the faith having grown up in Sunday school than not. Yeah, yeah, and I can totally see that, and I, I've seen that with my friends, you know, with, with a lot of my friends, people I, I was born and raised with, that was uh, going to church with me, that I was in school with, uh, I've seen that firsthand, you know, and I can't necessarily give exact reasons to why that is, but I mean, I got a good idea, and I feel like that's one of the big things, is just a lot of them don't feel uh, good enough, and we kind of talked about that last week, I, really we've talked about that kind of hit on it every chapter mm-hmm. so far, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's that's a that's well, a big so a big problem. How do you take how do you take somebody who grew up like in something else, believing something else, whether it was atheism or whether it was Islam or whether it was Jehovah's Witness or whether it was you know some kind of New Age mysticism, religion, or whatever? Something where they're like, I've got to you know I, what I do is really, really, really going to heavily influence what how I spend my eternity. Mm-hmm. In, in fact, it's all dependent upon me. How do they come out of that into Christianity and realize the freedom and the grace that there is, but yet somebody who grows up in this faith tradition of, follow, of supposed to be following Jesus, they come, they, they're coming to these conclusions of, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do, I gotta do, 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 and work, 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 work. I think to be secure. I How mean, do we end up in that? Well, I think, I mean, personally, I mean, I think that it's got a lot to do with, in which Obviously, the Bible references this a lot, and we don't, I feel like, in our society, they put enough emphasis on it. But I feel like that's one of the reasons why the Bible makes such a big deal about things like issues like pride mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and, you yeah. know, our self-indulgence and, you know, all those things. I think that's a big reason why, because when we start putting it all on us, when we start, well, look what I've done, or look what, even if you put it on a broader scale, look what maybe uh, our Bible study groups done, or look at what our church has done, or look at what yes. our, you know, whatever the case may be, whenever we start to kind of add that pride aspect to it, uh, it really starts to go downhill from there. And we see that happen a lot, especially in, you know, the Bible Belt, people were, were, were raised like this. And here's the problem, is we know pride's a sin. But especially whenever you're born and raised in the Bible Belt, small time USA, everybody knows Jesus, top Top ordeal, you know, or at least they get right they they, Here's the problem with that is that we don't, we like to do the emphasis, and we talked about this a little bit last week too, is we, we, we want to put the emphasis on, okay, so here's here's our big three. Uh, you know, don't have sex for you, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> cussing, drinking, whatever. Yeah. Okay, there's another one. And then what was the other one that we talked about? Well, oh, that, was, that was all three. So it's like, I don't I don't cuss, I'm yeah. not doing drugs or alcohol, and I'm not sleeping around. Yeah, and I'm it's not like, sleeping around. And I consistently, like you consistently see that as kind of the big three that come up in people's minds. It's like, oh, well, I, you know, oh, and, well, and, I want to be a Christian. I want to go to church. I need to stop cussing. Which, by all means, please, if you're out there and you use filthy language, the scriptures are actually, Paul actually lays out like, we don't need to be using, you know, offensive and, and crude language. Like, by all means, yes, please stop. But don't feel like your salvation is dependent upon how good you are. Well, especially in, t- and especially in today's generation, we put a lot of that emphasis. We also add homosexuality in there. I mean, so, yes, so yes. Here's, our, here's our big list of don't. You know, don't be, a, don't be homosexual. Don't be sleeping around before you're married. And as long as you ain't cussing and drinking and smoking and dipping or whatnot, then you're good. You know, okay, that's, mm-hmm. that's our, our big three, four, whatever. But then it's like, 
nobody ever talks about pride. Nobody right. ever talks about gluttony. Nobody well, ever talks about. We take some things. of the most obvious outward, outwardly obvious sins, and we take whatever is the wor- what we, in our opinion, is the worst right. in that category, and we take a step back and we're like, "Well, I'm not doing this, so I'm good." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I might be sleeping around or whatever. I might be having sex with my girlfriend, but you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not chasing homosexuality as a lifestyle, so I'm good. We, we take what we deem to be the, what some people deem to be the worst in a certain category of sin, and we're like, "Oh, I'm not doing that. I'm all right." You well, know, it's, and it's, it's like I'm not I'm not drunk. You know, I'm not a drunk. I'm not addicted, or or and we, you know, we're not always honest about that. A lot of people, but <laughs> you know, a lot of people have a drinking problem, and obviously don't admit they have a drinking problem. You right. know, it's like, oh, I'm not I'm not addicted to meth, so I'm good. Well, that's and it really it's just it's a foolish thing for us to do a foolish way for us to act and you know the Galatians were having a similar problem we see that you know 100%. chapter 3 right here that, that's how Paul starts this out and, and so we just came off Galatians 2 you know and he's kind of uh, uh, he's kind of giving them a hard time right there at the end of chapter 2 you know he says I do not set aside the grace of God for nothing for I just come through the law then Christ died for nothing that's where he kind of ended you know he's kind of had it on him mm-hmm. but then he continues on in verse uh, in chapter 3 and he and he really starts going on he's like you foolish Galatians who yeah. has cast a spell on you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified so he calls him out and he's like you guys are being foolish exactly and I'm like, it's one of those things like, okay, that doesn't, that's not going to sit well today <laughs> if you have somebody that looks at like, and I understand, we want to we do things in love, we want to do things in, in the right kind of manner and everything, and Paul was obviously recognized that Paul's the guy that God has used to help establish these churches, you know what I mean, and like, he was the one who actually presented them this gospel, and he's like, apparently, he had laid it out so clearly, and their initial understanding seemed so legit that at this point... For them to have gone so far away from it, he's saying, this is stupid. Yeah. So I tried to, because, you know, I mean, this sounds really harsh in English. And so, you know, I was doing a little study trying to figure out, like, the Greek language, like the word that he used for foolish here and everything. And, I mean, it was, I think it was pretty offensive in the Greek, too. You know, it's like, oh, you're being really simple-minded. You're, like, not using your brain. Right. You're being unthinking. It's like, wake up. Like, use the brain God gave you. And start thinking about these things. He says, who's cast a spell on you? Jesus was portrayed as crucified. Okay? And so if you back up literally to what you just said at the end of chapter 2, if you can save yourself, then that crucifixion was for nothing. Right. Absolutely for nothing. And so he, he just continues on kind of that line of thought here by saying, like, what in the world has happened to you guys? Mm-hmm. How in the world did you get to this point after I left? So, well, no, and, he, and he's he's flustered about it, you know. I mean, you can tell, and it, which obviously kind of making an assumption, but it, I mean, it almost seems like you jump into verse two, and it's mm-hmm. almost like he's even kind of giving a little sarcasm to him. He's like, "It does sound that way, doesn't?" The it? only thing I want to learn from the, to learn this from, I only want to learn this from you. And so, obviously, it's like, oh, okay, so they. He's trying to get them to teach him something, mm-hmm. and then he goes on, but he's like, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you've heard? And so obviously this is something that they know the answer to. 
they obviously know the or they they obviously know like he's testing them right here. This is yes. not a black and yes. white answer. He's like, oh okay. And I, can tell you, I, and I can't speak for other areas. I mean, I really don't know. But like, especially people I know around here, that, that this this conversation would go like, now tell me something. That's how they would start to now, mm-hmm. now tell me something. Mm-hmm. And it's like they they obviously don't literally want to know what you think. Right. They're going to tell you it's wrong. Right. <laughs> like, Paul is literally starting off. Now, now, tell me something here. Did you, it's like, I, I don't know if that's like a Southern thing or if somebody, you know, you got, feel free to comment and like let us know, you guys. Like, is that is somebody, would somebody word it that way in other areas where you guys are listening or not? But that, that's how we would say it here. It's like, tell me something. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? By, by, you know, literally, that would be translated like hearing with faith. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's he's on here. Well, he, he keeps getting on. Maybe even verse 3, you go down to verse 3, and says, Are you so foolish after beginning by the Spirit and now finishing by the flesh? And that's really cool. I mean, honestly, we could park right there. We could pull up the break, and you could probably, really, this is honestly a good outline verse for really this whole entire chapter, just because this is, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is kind of what we're talking about right here. Um, because why in the world, and we are so bad for doing this, why in the world would, so it's kind of the same thing we talked, we talked about this a little bit last week, uh, talking about, can I lose my salvation? Okay. So yes. Yes. So I think, I think that's exactly where you're headed is you, you got one group that will almost get this idea of. I've got to be good enough first to get to the grace of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Or you got another group that's like, yes, by grace I'm saved, but then it's my sanctification. It's, yeah. it's up to me to stay in that grace. Is is all on me, and it's up to me to stay in that grace once it's been offered to me. And if I'm if I'm not good enough, right. then I'm losing. No, yeah, I mean you're you're exactly right, and that's exactly that's that's exactly the picture that I'm being painted here. I mean, it's it's why in the world. So when Jesus died on the cross, that's the whole, obviously we know, and we're going to get into this a little bit in the other verses, but obviously we know that the law had a purpose, but obviously if the law had done its job, then there would have been no reason for Christ to mm-hmm. die. Well, so, and I would even say the law did its job. They confused what the job of the law was. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and, which, and Paul, gets really, Paul gets into depth in explaining that even in mm-hmm. this chapter. That's what he says, he's like, so if... If the law had done its job, and if the law wasn't enough to save you, because therefore you go by the law again, you're going by your own works, and you're living up to mm-hmm. expectations that you can't fulfill. And so, if Jesus had to come, and if Jesus had to die in order to put grace on you for all of eternity, and anybody that's willing to call upon His name, why are you trying to change it now that you've said, oh, "Okay, well, I'm saved by grace, but now I'm going to try to do it. I'm going to try to keep it. I'm going to try to." earn it, I'm going to try to mm-hmm. make good by it after I'm saved by what I do, or by what I, by the works that I do, or whatever the case may be, because it's not a works-based salvation. Uh, but it, I mean, it, there are two sides to that point, though. I mean, it's not, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a heart issue, obviously, mm-hmm. we talk about that a lot, it's not a mind issue, it's a heart issue, and it's the same concept here, because there's two sides to that point, there's that first side that Okay, well, yes, it's not a works-based salvation. I'm saved by grace through faith. I believe in Jesus Christ. He came and he died and he rose again. I believe in that, and I'm saved because of that. And obviously, and I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself because we're gonna we're getting into all that. Paul, he starts to dive into it, but there's a key point in there. And what does what does that belief 
actually mean? What does that belief actually call mm. upon my lot to do? I'm glad you said that. So he goes on in verse 40, he says, Did you experience so much for nothing, if in fact it was for nothing? And, and I think if we're, if we're careful to kind of understand what that was and everything, it, it's not just their salvation experience that they had. It's not just this experience of coming into the gospel, but then they also actually started to suffer for it in some ways. He's like, are you doing all this for nothing? Mm-hmm. Like, was it for nothing? He's like, I'm actually beginning to question how much you actually got it right. because you've gone so far off the reservation with it. So then in verse five, so then does God give you the spirit and work miracles among you by your doing the works of the law? And here's exactly what you said. What does that belief actually mean for my life? What does it actually look like? He says, or is it by believing what you heard? And then he goes back. He jumps back. And, you know, I would imagine a lot of his audience that he's writing to actually is probably Gentile. Mm -hmm. But he jumps back into the Jewish scriptures, Mm -hmm. into the Old Testament. So they maybe had some familiarity at this point. I think also that you read about it in a lot of places that Paul went, his pattern was the first thing he would do would be go to the synagogue, go to the Jews first. And then once any of them became, you know, believing Jews, what, you know, modern day people would refer to as Messianic Jews, believing that Jesus was the Messiah. If any of them followed that, at whatever point he would be run out of the synagogue, then he would go on and he would start preaching to the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. So he's probably got a little bit of a mixed audience, but he jumps back to the Old Testament and he says, just like Abraham and here he quotes, who believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness. So that phrase, believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness, comes from Genesis fifteen six, mm-hmm. Like, from the actual scripture, that's what it actually has laid out for us. Yeah. So, but what did Abraham do? So I'm actually, do we have time? You want to jump back there real, really fast? I'm cool with it. I mean, I think it's worth noting. I mean, it is. If we're trying to say, okay, if Abraham's our example, well, what did it look like for Abraham? Well, and I like, I like that he gives Abraham as the example because anytime we think about Old Testament, everybody's like the big guy, Moses. Like Moses is the big guy. Moses, just Moses, 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 mm-hmm. Mosaic law, you know, blah blah blah. And even which obviously to the Jews, like the Moses is their guy. Okay, mm-hmm. Moses is the guy. Right. And right. and I love who got the promise first. Exactly. And that's why I lo- that's what I love about Abraham, especially if you go I think a really interesting study or int- really interesting read if any of you guys were ever interested in it is going going to the Old Testament and kind of starting there with that promise. So kind of, kind of what we're going today is starting mm-hmm. with that story of Abraham and the promise that God made with him and then read the Old Testament not thinking about the Mosaic law but Keeping the promise to Abraham, the promise to Abraham, and Absolutely. seeing how it winds through because it, it's kind of an underlying theme that that pops up, and then you know, kind of, you kind of hide it, and then it pops up again. Exactly. But it's always there. Why do we think they were so disgruntled in Egypt? I mean, it wasn't just obviously if I'm enslaved, kind of disgruntled, <laughs> right? Period. But they were especially disgruntled because they had thought, well, God made this promise to our forefather Abraham. Mm-hmm. Like we're supposed to be God's people. Right. How? Why are we down here? Why have we been down here in Egypt for four hundred plus years? Mm-hmm. Why have our people been down here for so long and all that's going on? When God promised Abraham a specific land mm-hmm. and that His people would be super numerous and would bless all nations, how much blessing can you do to the other nations of the world when you're in bondage to a foreign nation? Mm-hmm. Well, and then and then as soon as that happens, then then gets sent. 
Moses. Exactly. Okay. And so then and Moses so we have to look at it road. in that light. The Mosaic covenant just, is given in light of the Abrahamic covenant. It does. And so that's what, and that's what it, it, it almost, not necessarily that the Bible does it, but we, it's, it's, it's hard not to just because Moses is such a main player here. But Moses gets up there and Moses takes the high road and it kind of shadows down that promise that Abraham had because like I said, it, it kind of shows up and then it kind of goes back away. Well, I think you said it earlier. I think I think the reason why is pride. For sure. Because sure. there's something about if I follow these things, I'll be good. That just speaks to my pride. Mm. I can be I can do it. Yeah, yeah. And and to put it in modern terms, how often do you hear or you start seeing things? I'm seeing it all over the place now, this idea of like, you are enough. Mm. Like, I just see that all the time. And somebody, and I'll, I'll see people make these huge long posts when literally all they saw was the words, you are enough, and they just run with it, interpret it however they want. Right. And I'm like, well, I want to know exactly what do you mean by you are enough? Mm-hmm. If you're saying that I'm enough for my salvation, if I'm enough to have right standing with God, I'm going to disagree with you because I know myself. Like, like we started off the, this particular video, I'm not good enough to not be a Christian. Right. And that's, and that's, so I'm, I'm going to let you jump I'm going to let you jump in at Genesis 15 and I'm going to stop talking but I, just, I think that was worth noting that it's, it's, a, it's a cool study it's really absolutely the Old Testament you look into it and like time. you and I were talking really easy. I would really try to find some study um, you know like, like Andy Stanley's got an interesting one on it where he talks about what I, for the life of me I can't remember the name of the book but anyways where they actually talk about the specifics of how this covenant was entered into and it was, it, it was, and so the specifics was there was these animals that they literally cut in half, they laid them out, and like the fire would pass between. Irresistible. Like, irresistible, yeah, yeah. Andy Stanley's book, Irresistible. You know, now read it, read it with the grain of salt, like knowing that like the way he words it, you, you maybe like have to really think two or three times or four, five times about. Right. Okay, uh, but, but what he's getting at is look, like even in the Old Testament, which I would agree with, this is what I'm saying here, even in this Old Testament covenant with Abraham, it was by faith. Yeah, it was not by keeping the works of the law. And so, what would happen was, it when God enters into this covenant with Abraham, where He promises, right? Here's here's the promise. Let me back up. Now, the word of the Lord came to him. This is Genesis fifteen four. This one will not be your heir. Instead, one who comes from your own body will be your heir. Talking about Isaac. Isaac's the son of promise. Uh, he said he took him outside and said, "Look at the sky and count the stars. If you're able to count them." Which is like, uh-huh. you're funny, God. <laughs> Your offspring will be that numerous. Now, and which we later learn from Paul in the New Testament, the offspring are not just, Abraham probably had in view, he's probably thinking like legitimate, like according to the flesh, according to physical offspring. Mm-hmm. But we are, in fact, actually, because we're in Jesus, offspring of Abraham. Right. And, and he says, Abram believed the Lord, and he credited to him as righteousness. Now, what did that belief look like? Well, he actually got up from the land where he was living and went and moved to a land that God was going to show him that he'd never been to. They didn't know how to get there. He literally left his ancestors. He left the paganism of his forefathers. You actually read in like um, later on when God is speaking to the nation of Israel and stuff, he actually talks about like, hey, over across on the other side of the Jordan, your forefathers, right? Abram's people, they actually worship many gods. Mm-hmm. So he's getting up, he's leaving part of his religious background, he's leaving his family behind, he's leaving the things that he's known, because in faith he actually believed. And so this belief, to get back to what we were saying, that Paul was saying here in Galatians 3, that belief that Abraham had 
was a belief that drove him to action. Well, and it's it's interesting because that same thing, if you looked at the Old Testament, it's a common theme, and which it, it's it's almost hard not to have sympathy to understand where the Jews are coming from in this sense of uh, a more of a works-based salvation. Mm-hmm. Because where the Jews come from and, and the Israelites and, and all those things throughout history in the Old Testament, their way of salvation and connection to God was a very single-stage, horizontal relationship between man and God. Because it was, okay, God says, okay, hey, I'm going to make this, I'm going to do this if you guys will uphold your end. And if mm-hmm. you guys uphold your end, I'll uphold mine. And if, then when they did it, then, oh, next thing you know, uh, four nations coming in and they're getting invaded and they lose their battles because they didn't do what God told them to do. Right. It, was, it was, hey, you do your part, I'll do my part. And then you know what was really great, and Paul actually lays this out in this exact chapter, what was really great was, he said, that's, that's, that's by the Mosaic Covenant. Mm-hmm. Look, I rescued you. Here's how I want you to live so that we can fulfill all these things that we're going to fulfill. The Mosaic Covenant, again, was given as a means for the Abrahamic well, that, Covenant. And that's what I was, that's what I was saying. And so, and that's what made Abraham's covenant so crazy and so important mm-hmm. is because it wasn't a, okay, Abraham, if you do this, yes, it was I'll do this. God said, no, Abraham, I'm making a promise to you. It doesn't matter what happens throughout this point. I'm putting it all on me. It's not on yes. you. It's all on me. Oh, well, that was what we were saying. I encourage you to go say some time exactly the events surrounding the um I guess you could say the ratifying of that covenant, what they would do, the actual ceremony that took place to say, hey, this is our agreement. Genesis 15, 7, if you want to go read it. Yeah, there you go. Like God would, and, and so it's literally this idea of like, they literally cut these animals in half and, and God, this fire passes through the midst of the animals that are literally just like laid out in half. Mm-hmm. And it's like, basically, people would do this when they would make these agreements, these kind of covenants. It was basically like, if I fail to uphold this unconditionally, independent of what you do, if I fail to uphold this, let this be done to me. Mm-hmm. Basically, let me be just like these dead, son and half animals. <laughs> right. If I fail to uphold mine. So God makes an unconditional promise in the Abrahamic covenant. In the Mosaic covenant, he says, look, I'm giving this in light of what I've promised to Abraham and his descendants. Here's how you need to uphold your part so that this can work. And it's funny how, how little people actually, how many people actually don't know that that's in there, don't realize that that's in there, because I, got, I had a whole Bible study group one time, and I was I was teaching on this, and we were talking about it, and you should, everyone was just looking at me like I was crazy, and I was like, what are you talking about, and I'm like, sure, let me let me go back, to so I go back to Genesis 15, 7, and I start reading it, and I'm like, yeah, and he calls him to get a dove, and, and a, you know, a this, and this animal, yeah. this animal, he, call, he calls off like seven or eight different animals, he like mm-hmm. split them down the middle, and whatnot, and they're all just looking at me like, I did not know this was in there. Well, because what do we do? It doesn't preach good. It doesn't speak to our pride. It doesn't speak to all these things. It's like yeah. it's one of those things like we preach grace, but because, like you said, Moses just looms so large yeah. in the Old Testament, we think that that was all it was about. Mm-hmm. But it was actually grace through faith. Well, and we kind of still do the same thing. Today. Even even if I was a Jew under the Mosaic Covenant, it still is grace. By faith. I have to come and say, I- I'm trusting the goodness of God. I'm trusting that what God said, he will do. And that's the same thing I do as a Christian. I'm trusting that God said he'll accept the sacrifice of his son. As an Old Testament Jew, I would have been having to say, I'm trusting that if I do this, if, if I have on faith, if I believe on faith that he'll take the sacrifice, 
he's going to do it. He's going to uphold it. It's still grace by faith. It's not my upholding of the law. It's me trusting in God accepting the sacrifice. And we do, and we do the same things today, even not just as a default as for Christian. And it's not even. Not that we don't know, because we can know that, okay, well, the, the Old Testament law had its purpose, and Jesus came to fulfill that purpose, mm-hmm. and Jesus gave us a new law, and a new mindset, and a new yes. heart, and a new mind. We can know all that, but it still kind of falls back into it. I mean, because if you look at it, I guarantee you, any church you go into, you're probably going to have pictures of the Ten Commandments plastered all over the wall. Like, how often do we see quotes of when Jesus, when the guy comes up and he asks Jesus, you know, what's what's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord thy the Father with all your heart, soul, mm-hmm. strength, and mind. And then he says, what's the second? And he says, okay, well, you got to love your neighbor, just like, you know, I've loved you. And so it's like, here's this new law, this new command that, that Jesus has given us. Here's the Old Testament law. Not that the Old Testament law is not important, not that it can't be plastered everywhere, because, mm-hmm. yeah, that's great. It's very, very We talk about, it's like, oh, we want, we want to keep the Ten Commandments in the courthouse. And I'm like, hey, I'm all, I'm all for that. I'm all for that because if you look at the if you look at the Ten Commandments, right? This Decalogue is like it's kind of like the almost like the main outline for the Mosaic Law. Right? If if we would live by those as a society, oh my word! Oh yeah, it'd be totally different. We would be an amazing, like an even more amazing nation. Right? Like we would not be having the struggles that, and I think I think America is a great nation, but man, we're going through struggles. Man, we're going through struggles. We wouldn't have those same struggles if we would live by the Ten Commandments, but keeping the Ten Commandments is not the measuring stick of did uh, whether we're a believer or not. Did you see that post that I sent in the family group message yesterday? Probably not. Okay, so I sent it's crazy this I week. I sent a and normally normally I wouldn't necessarily. Uh, which hey, by the way, if you're watching on YouTube, let us know in the comments. Do you have a family group chat? Yeah, and hey, while Snapchat, while while your family text while you're at it, drop a like on this video, guys. If you guys have a like, helps the YouTube here. algorithm, helps us get this out to more people. So hopefully this has been helpful to you, helps somebody else. But uh, normally I wouldn't recommend Nessa and Joe Rogan podcast on our <laughs> podcast because normally they're not. Yeah, Joe Rogan is not exactly the safest thing. Okay, but there's a podcast that I listen to with Joe Rogan, and like if it. It was a very PG podcast, if that tells you anything about how serious the matter was. Wow. Have you ever heard of, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm not going to say your name right, probably. It's Unami Park. Maybe. Okay, and I don't know if I said that right. But basically, she was an escapee from North Korea. Yes. Yeah. And now she's an advocate, you know, for I know who you're talking about. North Korea. Well, Joe Rogan sits down and has like a three and a half hour long podcast with her. And she yeah. she escaped North Korea when she was 13 years old. And the whole reason I'm saying this is because you're talking about the United States. Right, right, right. right. I was literally Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I haven't, I haven't listened to this specific one. But yeah, so what she does, she's escaped. And she goes and she like tries to explain to people, no, 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 you don't understand. There is no part of communism that's good. And, well, she, and she tells a little bit, she tells her story on and I would I would actually recommend it, man, going in and listening to this mm-hmm. just because it puts stuff in perspective. Um, if it's that good, we can link it. Uh, yeah, it's 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 really good. And I, which I'm not listening to the whole thing. It's three and a half hours long. And I've got I'm like two hours into it, and mm-hmm. it's been very 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 PG. I, I don't think there's even been any cuss words in it. Actually, there's, there's a Joe Rogan that you're two hours in, and there's been yeah no yeah that's <laughs> yeah that's how that's serious, serious it all is. is. It's, it's, wow. it's been very like serious, like and it's like, even on, on Joe, like you can tell like, it's kind of hitting home with him. Like mm-hmm. he's like, whoa, like this is kind of yeah. hitting hard. 
And yeah. I, I sent it to uh, some of my guys the other day, and I was like, man, you guys need to listen to this and just realize what we take for granted as individuals, but especially as Christians. Mm-hmm. And it just tells our story about North Korea and, like, how much persecution and how much stuff's going on in the world that we don't think about is going on at being born and raised in the United States or being yeah. born and raised as Christians here and how much authority and freedom we have to express Jesus mm-hmm. in the lives that we live as Christians here. Well, com- communism, I mean, it is a religion. Yeah. Even though communists would say, oh, religion is the, you know, the opiate of the masses. Well, she's actually... Like, communism is actually mm-hmm. what, what it boils down to. It's an evolutionary worldview that is, that is man-made, that is focused and centered on man. And again, it's if you can be good enough as a, as a human, we're going to achieve greatness together. Well, she talks about the Bible in it, actually. Yeah. She's like, you know, we didn't, obviously we, don't, we didn't know who Jesus was. We didn't hear about Christian mm-hmm. or anything like that. It's the number one, North Korea's number one persecution for Christian in the world. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. but basically she's saying, oh, you hear all kinds of stories. She didn't like know this. Kids growing up, and I mean, they're, Teenagers or young adults before they ever actually realized that their parents were Christians in North Korea oh, because yeah. it was like, but, and that's scary. And that's so hard. We need to pray for those people because it's like, I have a six-year-old. I talk to her freely all the time about God and about, you know, Jesus and all these things. But if I'm in North Korea and she's, you know, having to go to, you know, the, the government school and she's having to do all this and that and everything, it would be extremely dangerous for my family. For, for her to know about those things and accidentally slip up and say these things. And so in North Korea, you get kids who grow up and they're really old well, before they ever even know that their parents are Christian. Well, she, she had said that, well, she didn't know this until after she had escaped North Korea and stuff, but she was saying that they actually will use the stories of God and Jesus in the Bible to tell people who... King Jong-un and his dad was. So apparently they can they yeah. say that King Jong-un's dad was God. Oh my word. And King Jong-un <laughs> was Jesus and he came and died and came back to life and lives with them. Really? I've not heard that. And he is their he is their God. He is God. Yeah. And so they can they have convinced that that they are God. And it's just it's crazy some of the stuff that go on there. I mean, I'm talking to people. She said at one part that because he was like, so what are some of the smallest things that you can be put to death for over there? And she said that everybody has to have portraits of the, the past kings in their house. Everybody has to. Mm-hmm. And she said that inspectors will come because uh, nobody's not you're not allowed to like lock your doors and stuff. Like you, inspectors like are have to be able to get into your house at any time. And she said that inspectors will come at random parts of the day, even in the middle of the night while you're sleeping. And they can they'll rub their fingers on the portraits, and if there's dust on it, then they'll kill you. Then the direction you And there's like North Korea is separated into like 50 divisions. Now she said it's basically like the Hunger Games, but it's like separated into like 50 divisions. And if somebody in your division is being killed, then it's mandatory for everybody to come and watch it. Like it's mandatory for the whole division to come out. I have, heard, I have heard that. I have heard like mandatory. And a lot of times, public and a lot of times. They will have to participate in it. So, like a lot of the little stonings, a lot. Really? And the people of the division have to do it. Oh, and if you don't participate, then you're thrown in with them to be killed. You have to participate. And so, she, it, it is, and that is like the most PG thing I could have said out of stuff that she had said about just some of the stuff that goes on. But it's, just, it's crazy. I know that that's, that's a big branch off of what we were talking about, but it's no, but that's what's so beautiful that we lose focus in America. Yeah. That's what's so beautiful about this covenant, the new covenant. Yeah. Hence why we call it the New Testament. The new covenant of Jesus, where he says, 
I am the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. I'm the fulfillment of the Mosaic covenant. I'm the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. Yeah. I'm the fulfillment of all these things is what Jesus says. And because of that, you don't have to have. He, he told he, the promise to Abraham was, so I'm going to jump back to Galatians 3 in verse 8. You know, Paul's quoting saying, all the nations will be blessed through you. This was the promise to Abraham. Well, that the, the what God had in view of that was Jesus. And so you don't have to have a nation that's this world superpower. You don't have to have a nation that has it all together. It goes beyond the boundaries of sovereign nation states and things like that. And so the fulfillment of this covenant can reach even into a North Korea where these things are happening. The kingdom of God moves in even in these places like North Korea. The kingdom of God moves in even in North America in the United States. And so what you have is you have North Koreans who, when they come to faith, have this super robust Abraham-like faith. But yet here in America... Here where we are the absolute, I mean, where we live right in East Tennessee, the freest, probably, probably the freest place in the world to speak about Jesus and to go to church and to do all these things, we take it for granted. And we don't have this Abraham-like faith. We have, a, we, we, we try to build up this faith like a Pharisee that I'm going to, I'm, I'm banking on my upholding of What's all of these Bible things. What's that verse that says that the, uh, It'll be harder for the rich to inherit the kingdom of God. I don't remember exactly where that's located at, but at long time in the Gospels, it's, when, in, it's in multiple Gospels. When we read that, I feel like a lot of us tend to think as in riches, money, treasure, whatever, you know, and, and in cases... Which on the world standard we have. Yes, and which in the world... I'd rather I'd say, I did it Platt one time, I don't remember the exact thing, but basically, he, in the compared to the entire world... If you have, if you didn't have a car or transportation, if literally all you had was food for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and a roof over your head and clothes to wear, you're considered rich mm-hmm. in comparison to the whole world. Like in comparison to the whole world, if you live in the United States and if you have a roof over your head and clothes, and you don't even have to have, which a lot of people in like New York stuff, they don't even own cars, you know. But yeah. like, if, if you've well, got like a the, the rich young ruler in Matthew 19, and Jesus tells them, yeah, if you, be, like, you want to be perfect, go sell your belongings and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Mm-hmm. So it was a, not just give up your stuff, but then actually come and leave your life mm-hmm. and follow me. Well, and he went away grieving because he had many possessions. And like, it's like what you're trying to say is like, even though we don't think of it that way, we actually have. Yes, Many we possessions. are very, and, and a lot of times we read that and we think, oh, okay, well, good, because I'm living paycheck to paycheck, or I'm, you know, I ain't got this, right? I ain't rich, you know? But then we think it's not necessarily just rich in money, but also rich in freedom. Oh, yeah. Rich in, rich in, in the freedom to be able to express Christ whenever, however we want mm-hmm. to, and we choose not to. And so I completely, now, I see now more than ever. And maybe, maybe this needs to be a standalone episode sometime. I don't know. For but sure. like, you can have too much freedom. For sure, because we take that. There's such a thing as too much freedom. We take that for granted. And so if it's, it, I, I hear that and I say, okay, well, it's harder for the rich to inherit the kingdom of God because that pride overcomes and that, and we get sidetracked with it's the things. The idol of, of what we have. But we, we have freedom America, to make that our idol. We in America think, oh, okay, well, I'm living paycheck to paycheck, paycheck. I'm not considered rich. But it's 
No, you have the freedom to go tell anybody you want to in the Walmart checkout line about Jesus Christ, and you don't. We are abusing the freedom that we have. Absolutely. And I can totally see why that verse, oh, okay, well, it's harder for the rich to inherit the kingdom of God, to hit us smack dab between the eyes so many times because it's not just about the money, it's about the fact that I can tell anybody I want to about Jesus at any time, at any place, mm-hmm. and I don't. And I don't. That's right. That's right. And it's not that, again, it's not that anything about my standing with Jesus is dependent upon that. Mm-hmm. But he, but if Paul is saying here, like, you know that, hey, if you have faith, you're actually Abraham's son, meaning you're an heir of this promise because of Jesus, why would you not want other people to share in that goodness? Oh, well, yeah. Like, all the time, I'm like, oh, somebody, like, how, how often do we, like, talking again about our family chat, <laughs> How often do we say, it's like, oh, hey, Amazon's having a deal on this, and we tell everybody in the family chat. Mm-hmm. Or we'll tell people at work. Hey, yeah. hey, did you know Amazon's doing this? It's like two bucks. Like, it, it's you know, like we do things Those like stuff, that. Yeah. Little things like that are like, hey, like somebody asks us about something. Oh, yeah. We're so ready to tell them all about it so they can share in the goodness. But then, and I understand it, that it, it has to be nuanced. We have to have tact with it. You know what I mean? We can't just shove it in people's faces. But then the goodness of Jesus we're so hesitant to share. Because it would mean that they have to confront their own failures, mm-hmm. and that's so. It's not. It's not about. It's but not if about. I'm willing to share that little bit of goodness, why am I not willing to share the eternal goodness? Oh yeah, and of that's, a promise that, that comes that completely take for granted. As Paul says, the Scripture saw in advance that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Mm-hmm. By faith. Well, and if you. And here's, I'm going to skip on down to verse 12, and here is, is a really uh, good, simplified version of how this yes, all works. Yes, I think it's a good place to wrap up. Yeah, and, we'll, and we'll, end the, we'll, end the, we'll go ahead and end the episode here. But verse 12 says, But the law is not based on faith. Instead, the one who does these things will live by them. Leviticus 18.5, which, let's be honest, mm. I don't know too many people who read a lot of Leviticus. <laughs> I, actually, our pastor has joked before, he doesn't even, he's not even sure that God reads Leviticus. <laughs> so, you know, whatever. But <laughs> That's a funny joke. <laughs> it is. It is. Have a sense of humor, people. Don't take it too serious. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, it's... We talked about that belief. Or mm-hmm. We talked about that belief. What does that belief mean? Okay, so we know that our, our faith, we know that our works doesn't save us. We know that we're saved by faith through grace. And we know, and Paul would say to you, and again, this is offensive, but Paul would say to you, if your belief is that your salvation is dependent upon your works or keeping your salvation is dependent upon your works, Paul would look at you and say, you're a fool. You're being being stupid concerning the scriptures. If you go back to verse 3, after beginning by the Spirit and you're now finishing by the flesh. Okay, so he's questioning that. So it's not that we're saved by our works and we're not kept in grace by our works. Mm -hmm. And so then it's like, okay, well now I'm confused. How does this work? Well, he says, let me lay it out for you. Verse 12. And he says, instead, the one who does these things will live by them. Okay, so it it is a direct byproduct. It is a direct byproduct of the faith that you receive in Christ. So whenever I've received, kind of like what you talked about earlier, you said, well, that's why I'm not willing to share the gospel. The one who does these things will live by them. 
There was literally only one who could live by doing those things, and that was Jesus. He fulfilled it perfectly. In verse 13, he jumps in and says, well, Jesus Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. The only person who didn't deserve to be cursed was Jesus, was Jesus and he became the curse for us. Therefore, when we are placed in Jesus, he, Paul, and we'll jump into this you know, in the next part, but he was the one who was the seed of Abraham. Hmm. And we, by faith, are put in Jesus Christ. Therefore, we become part of that promise by virtue of being in Christ. And so, guys, I, I just got, I mean, I don't know how much more plan we can make it. I know we talked about various things, but you cannot be saved by your works. Hmm. I'm not good enough to be a Muslim. I'm not good enough to be a Jehovah's Witness. I'm not good enough to be, you know, a Jew like the Pharisees were, banking on me upholding the law to have right standing with God. You're not good enough. If you're listening, you are not good enough. There's nobody, as Paul would say in Romans, right? There's no one righteous, not one. Nobody has ever upheld it. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Mm. And so you can't uphold the law enough. You cannot be good enough to save yourself or to keep yourself saved. And I, 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 want, I want to point out, and I know... We may, I don't know, we may go on into this next week, or, I mean, really, we, we, we didn't necessarily read all the way down, but we talked about everything mm-hmm. down there. But I think it's really cool, if you want a good example on how the law relates to our faith, how the old law relates to the new law, uh, really good example in 23 through that 26. We're going to hit it next week. He says before we're his, next week. You want, you want to hit it next week? Oh, I'm just saying we will a little more in depth. You go ahead and read it now if you want. Well, I was just going yeah. to say, before this faith came, we were confined under the law and prison until the coming faith was revealed. The law then was our guardian until Christ, so that we could be justified through faith. But since the faith has come, we are no longer under or in need of a guardian. For through faith, you are all sons of God in Christ Jesus. And so he's saying, hey... The law had a purpose to mm-hmm. protect us from basically ourselves, but yes. protect us from things. And Jesus came, and now we don't need a guard. We don't need a babysitter to come sit here and hold our hold our hand and say, okay, we have to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. Jesus says, yeah, my grace is enough. It's cool. My, my, grace, is enough. my grace is enough. The Holy Spirit will indwell within you and lead you into that truth and righteousness. And it's not just from keeping a list of rules. It's from pursuing the spirit mm-hmm. it's from pursuing god and saying hmm, if i'm being led by the spirit i'm not going to do these things i don't have to have somebody a law whispering in my ear don't do this don't do this don't do this mm-hmm. i've got god to guide me actually inside of me and so guys i hope you're enjoying this i hope you're it's helpful to you and if it is helpful share it give it a like so that the algorithm can push it out and next week, we will jump back into Galatians chapter 3 and kind of read some more of these verses that we didn't get to and dive in a little bit more of Paul's illustrations exactly on the specifics of this. Um, and until then, guys, this is Crosswalk.